0: This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question,
1: Why am I doing this? (laughs) As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes,
0: lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com.
1: Hey guys, here's what's happening at Write From The Deep. First, thank you
0: to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, were so grateful for you. You make this show possible.
1: And thanks to our April sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. She's working on a memoir called Bunked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury. And that'll be published by Redemption Press. She also blogs for the TBI PTSD community on her website, Priscilla Shero, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A, S-H-A-R-R-O-W dot com. Thank you, Priscilla. And um, another new thing, you guys, we
0: just released a second book in our Craft Matter series. Yay. We're excited about this. And it's called The Genre Guidebook, Seven Genres, Three Golden Rules to Satisfy Your Readers. Because here's the deal, you guys, your readers, they have expectations and you
1: better know what they are. You need to know what they are so you can satisfy those expectations. We cover historical fiction, suspense, thriller, mystery, fantasy, and inspirational fiction. And we talk about all the important aspects of those individual genres so that you can know exactly how to not just meet but exceed your readers' expectations. And we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out,
0: and you can find it at Amazon as well. It's the Genre Guidebook, Seven Genres, Three Golden Rules to Satisfy Your Readers. Oh, and we should probably tell you guys, this was actually first released in the Writing Success Anthology. It was a limited time collection. So now we have made this book available separately.
1: And now, here's Here's the the show. show!
0: Welcome, listeners. We are glad to have you here with us in the deep. As we record this, we have an unprecedented world situation with the coronavirus uh, pandemic. There's a state and county and city governments issuing stay-at-home orders or shelter-in-place orders. There's massive disruption in our economy, our society, in our homes. The stock market has been plummeting. Schools are closed. Libraries are closed. Stores are closed. Restaurants are closed. Jobs, work hours, they've been slashed. Even most of the churches, really, probably all of them by now, have closed their
1: doors and moved to online services. In other words, all semblance of normal it's gone. Right. It's out the window. So, as writers and as creatives and as most important Christians, how are we to respond? I mean, what we're going to talk about today doesn't just apply to the pandemic situation we're facing right now. There are plenty of other ways that normal goes out the window. Right. Maybe you've unexpectedly become a caregiver to a grandchild or an aging parent, or maybe you or your spouse or child has just been diagnosed with a severe health condition. With so many things out there that can disrupt our, quote, normal life, unquote, why are we still so often caught unaware and unprepared? And when we are disrupted, how
0: do we react? There are a plethora of good responses, and unfortunately, there are just as many poor choices. So we're going to look at some of those responses in a do and do not fashion. So first, let's look at the do nots. And our first do not is do not fear. Amen. Let me tell you guys, my husband is a sociologist and he understands statistics and demographics and epidemiology. And, you know, he's telling me about all the forecasts of the various institutions that they're doing for the, the spread of the COVID-19. And and it's scary, guys. It's dangerous. There's no way around that. And our normal response to that is often going to be fear. Aside from the fact of getting sick ourselves or maybe our loved ones getting sick, there's all this upheaval. There's financial ramifications of these shutdowns. And then there's plans. There's plans that have been gone out the window right now. People who planned a big wedding ceremony or maybe a special vacation somewhere they've been saving up for for 10 years. Maybe they just wanted to retire and they had their nest egg, you know, and it was in the stock market and now Mm -hmm. it's not so much. So there's, maybe you guys have even had a certain number of writing hours per week designated to meet your book deadline. That's all changed now.
1: Fear and anxiety are so often our first response to change. We didn't expect the change. We can't control the change or the effects. And this leads to frustration and anger. I, guys, you know, we want to be in control. We want to know what's coming. My husband had always said he's fine with spontaneity as long as he can plan for it. <laughs> so, you know, when when we can't plan for it and these things come out of the blue, it often brings out the worst in us. We forget that no disruption, no pandemic, no break in schedule, none of it is a surprise to God. Our plans were always subordinate to God's plans. We just kind of forgot that as we're going off on our days. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So yes, the first step to overcoming fear is to stop and acknowledge that God is in control. This world is still his. I've said this before, but it's not like God is leaning over the rail of, of heaven and eternity and looking down at this and saying, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Right. That will never happen.
0: And listen to Deuteronomy ten fourteen. It says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. And this you're a part of his. that everything. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then we have to do another hard thing. We have to trust. You know, we can tell ourselves God's in control, but then you have to trust in that. You have to believe fully, completely. Sure, you may be facing one of the worst ordeals you've ever encountered, and as terrible as that is— you have to at the same time understand that this may be your greatest opportunity to become more Christlike, right. to glorify God with your trust. Because no matter what we're going through, we will always still have God right there with us. And he wants us to count on him. Isaiah forty-one ten says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I got to say, folks, if we would concentrate more, focus the hours more on reading his word and understanding who he is and who we are in him, rather than watching the news and reading every depressing report out there, we would find ourselves able to trust
0: better. Right. And my pastor was talking about this verse last week, and he made a point of how the language here and and that word, surely— that language, that's all about certainty. That's the emphasis. You can count on it. And I know, I know this isn't easy, believe me, but these are challenges that help us to know if our faith is real. If we've built our faith on the solid rock of Christ, or if it's on shifting sand, when normal goes out the window, that is a chance to test and see just what have we been putting our trust in? And what is our hope in? Is it in the stock market for our retirement, or we're hoping in our job for our provision, or our health or grocery stores or even our society. Goodness, that is so much more fragile than we knew. Use this time for a checkup on where your trust is. Chances are, chances are good that every last one of us needs some growth in this trust area.
1: The next do not is do not be hasty. Friends, remember, we each deal with crises in our own way, whether it's a personal crisis or community or worldwide like it is right now. Some of us fight back. Some of us isolate and hide. Some of us do a little of each. But the only reaction, the only response you can control is your own. The second you try to impose what you think is right or especially what you think is godly on someone else, you've crossed the line into judgment. And we all know that's not a good thing. Right. So if you find yourself looking at a church group that's still meeting and thinking, well, don't they care about infecting others? What's wrong with them? Stop. The second you start to ask things like, Where's your faith? What do you mean you're not meeting anymore? Stop. It's not your place to judge. It's not my place. There's only one who is worthy to judge, and you're not him. Right. You can share ideas and thoughts with those you know and love, sure, or with those God asks you to share with, but it stops there. It has to stop there. Believers have no business judging others. And when you fall into that self-righteous mode, you do far more damage than any pandemic any crisis, any disruption in your life. You do damage to yourself and to others and to the cause of Christ. We're called to love, not to judge. Right. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. That's talking about making rash vows, but I think the principle still applies here. Don't let your mouth be hasty in spewing judgment.
0: Right, and when normal goes out the window, your creative energy and your motivation might feel depleted. That's okay. Do not worry about that. You're in you're you're not in like some creative void, okay? That's going to last forever. Realize that right now we are all spending a lot of mental energy trying to figure out all the new rules of life and society. All our presuppositions are called into question right now and most of us are dealing with new logistics. My husband and I are doing like a dancing around the apartment trying to keep <laughs> from being in each other's way when we work. So we don't know what things are going to look like in two days or two weeks or two months or two years. It changes every day. And just dealing with those changes takes up brain power. So it's hard to think about writing. So do not be hasty in that give yourself time and permission to mentally adjust you will find a new stride eventually it might take a while and we need to remain flexible but you're gonna find it but not only not only that we're dealing with loss most of us are of some kind or another maybe it's your job or your health or your income but right now we're dealing also with loss of things like freedom like gathering with others or going going to the gym or or your sports season, there is grief involved in that loss. Stop and recognize
1: that and give yourself time to grieve. Right. Another do not is don't get stuck in questioning why. Sometimes I think that's the most damaging question that we can ask. Now, I'm not saying God can't handle your questions. He can't handle your doubts. But listen to what it says in Job 5, 7 through 11. You knew with a topic like this, we'd have to pull out a verse from Job, right? So (laughs) here it is, Job 5, 7 through 11. For a man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. But as for me, I would seek God and I would place my cause before God who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields so that he sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Guys, the key there is great and unsearchable things. That means we can't understand them. When our brains constantly question, why is this happening? Or even worse, why is this happening to me? (laughs) That's a trap we can't escape. And frankly, that's a tool of the enemy to undermine your trust in God. You drive yourself crazy or to despair because there's never going to be an answer that will satisfy you or that we can understand God is not accountable to us. I mean, think about that. God does not have to explain himself. He's not accountable to us. We're going to use up all our mental, emotional, and creative energy trying to figure out what our human minds were never equipped to fathom. Now, I'm not saying we're stupid or we can never understand, but I'm saying we do not know the ways of God. It tells us that in Scripture. Sometimes we get bogged down and constantly rehashing, oh, if only this hadn't happened then. Right. There's another bad word, then. (laughs) No, no, God is in control. He knew this was going to happen. This isn't a surprise to him. It's not like he suddenly realized he had to create some detour for you because of the situation. Thinking about if only this hadn't happened then, that's another trap that keeps you stuck in an unhealthy place where you can't move forward. Guys, when normal goes out the window, it's an incredible opportunity to see just how big our God is and how limited we are. And that's not always a fun thing, but we can never appreciate God for who he is without that understanding. Yeah, right. Okay, so we have talked
0: about some do-nots, and now for some do's. There are some good choices for our response when normal goes out the window. So do consider pruning, especially now during this pandemic that we have when everything is shut down. For those of you with kids, you might feel a little lost without all the soccer games and church activities and school activities that make you run from morning until night, not to mention the family activities that you may or may not be doing and may or may not feel guilty for not doing everything. My goodness. One mom that I know who has four con- kids, oh, she confessed to me, it's actually a relief <laughs> you know, <laughs> to have everything stop and shut down. And And I hear that, you guys. This is a good time to reflect on the many activities that have taken up all of our previous time. This is what it's like right now to not rush around all the time. After you get over the weirdness here, ask yourself what kind of activities and commitments do you actually miss? Right. What are you glad that you're not doing? <laughs> the answers might surprise you. So this is an opportunity for you to learn what you really value and what you need to prune.
1: Another do: do take time to rest, like we like we said before. It's fatiguing. Aaron and I were talking just before we started this podcast about how tired we both are. It's not like we're out there doing a bunch of stuff, but we're both just weary. So let's face it. We as humanity, and especially we as women, we're not very good at rest. We're just too busy. And the same thing happened to the Israelites. They were supposed to give their land a Sabbath rest every seven years, but they didn't do it. And ultimately, God forced that rest. He took away their land and sent them into exile. Think about what it says in Second Chronicles 36:20 20 through 21. Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile to Babylon, the remnant of Israel, who escaped from the sword. And they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. All the time of its desolation, it rested. Okay, so I'm not saying that when we find ourselves with a forced rest, it's punishment. But I am saying that God clearly thinks rest is important because he mentions this concept over and over in the Bible. And I am saying that maybe now when our ability to do stuff is taken away, maybe we should embrace the opportunity to rest, get lots of practice, make it a habit so it sticks with you and becomes a priority, even when life gets busier again, because it will yeah. It's going to come around, guys. Life is going to go back, if not to what it used to be, it's going to come back to a new normal. But that will be as full of activity if you let it be. Ultimately, a cycle of rest and work, both, is better for our productivity, better for our health, and better for our spirit. Right. Right. And the next do is do watch
0: expectantly for God to work in whatever ways he sees fit. I have a friend who is telling me about a difficult situation her family was going through. It was rough, and she was torn up about it. And she said to me, I'm just asking God, you know, what are you doing in this, Lord? And she told me, I know it's going to be something. I know he's using this, so I'm just praying and waiting and watching And I loved that. She wasn't asking God, you know, what are you doing? Like it was a demand for him to explain himself. Instead, it was a reminder for her to watch for him working and to be submitted to whatever he was doing and to his will and to want to grow from that and honor God and to fully believe that God is working for their ultimate good, even when it was terrible. So I think that's a great attitude to watch expectantly. The Old Testament uh, prophet Micah had that same attitude in chapter seven, uh, verse seven. He says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. It's when we're watching that we can see, and that we have an opportunity to be amazed. It's that then we can give the glory to God, the glory that He deserves. And we can find things to be thankful for, even in the midst of this upheaval, any upheaval in your life. Use this time, guys. Watch expectantly and use it to draw closer
1: to God. Amen. Do watch for opportunities to love and serve others. You knew it was going to come around to this. It really isn't all about you. And the more shocking things, it's not all about me. I'm struggling with that. So first, do what the medical professionals tell you to do. Sanitize. Stay away from strangers. Don't touch your face. Seriously, they're telling us how to avoid spreading the virus, this virus that could kill so many. So do what they say and do it gladly because it's something you can know and you can do to affect change. With that in mind, though, how do we then serve others, especially from six feet away? Well, just off the top of my head, you can wave at somebody. You can call out a hello. You can tell people you're praying for them. You can run errands for those who are high risk. My husband does this for an elderly gentleman that we know. The man lives 30 miles away, but Don drives there and picks him up and takes him, and he takes him around to run errands. He drives him, and then he takes him back home. And if you have somebody who's high risk and doesn't want to come out to see you, they can just email you a list. You can order all that online. Yes, they'd pay for it. And then just set the bags or the product on their doorstep when it arrives. No personal contact required. Offer to order things online for those who are computer illiterate. I have an aunt who barely knows how to turn on her computer. She'll send me the money. I order things for her, have it shipped right to her. So I'm taking care of her needs. I'm being a bridge between her and getting what she needs when she can't do that. You can also focus on sending encouragement through email and social media, post positive and encouraging truths, post scripture. You may not think anybody's reading, but you have no idea who it is out there that God has waiting to see something positive, some truth from you about God's love and God's presence. Another thing you can do is offer to walk a neighbor's dogs. You can set up a little free library in your neighborhood. I love this concept. You can find out more about it on littlefreelibrary.org. And you can have sanitizing products in there so they can sanitize the books. But since so many of the libraries are closed now, you can start something in your own neighborhood with your books. You can cut somebody's lawn or you can pull weeds. You can make N95 masks and share them with medical professionals or your neighbors. Guys, there are so many ways we can help in both little and small ways. Submit yourself to God and ask him, what would you have me do? Right. And our last do, when normal
0: goes out the window, is do stay on course unless God directs you otherwise. Here's the thing, difficulty, disruption, when these things happen, they make us question whether we've done something wrong or whether we misheard God. But these things, these challenges and problems and disruptions, they do not necessarily indicate a change in your marching orders, okay? Let me say that again. Problems don't indicate a change in your marching orders. They can just as easily be signaling the opposite. You're on the right track. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12.10 that he delights in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties because when he's weak, then he's strong. So here's the thing. Our world is cursed with futility. Romans 8.20 tells us that. We're not going to have it easy here on earth. If we're going to think otherwise, that is going to lead us astray. So when disruption hits, sure, take time to check your course. Take time to seek God and pray. Take time to make adjustments, whatever needs adjusting. But if you're not hearing him tell you otherwise, then press on with
1: confidence. Bottom line, when normal goes out the window, which can happen any day, any moment of time. Yes, it's happening on a global scale right now. But how many of you have had your daily normal just gone because of something that happened it could be your own health issues it could be industry upheaval you name it you find a new normal i remember when 911 happened i was working in house at a publishing house and we had books that were releasing now on 911 in that year and oh. everything was just changed our whole lives changed but we came back and we found a new normal make the adjustments reevaluate But you can overcome any obstacles with God's help. Prayerfully watch and wait and listen for his voice and rest in him. Never, never let yourself get so caught up in the fear and the anxiety that you make poor choices or say careless words. Instead, the minute normal goes out the window, turn to the one who will hold you and uphold you and supply everything you need in the midst of it. If I've learned nothing else from going freelance instead of working in-house at a publisher, I've learned God's provision is sufficient. It's more than sufficient. His provision stems out of his love and his kindness, and we will never have to want. And should the unthinkable happen, should we face death ourselves, should those we love face death in the midst of this pandemic, do not fear Because that next step, friends, is into eternity and face-to-face with the Master. That is great joy. I love to hold on to that scripture that says, Whether I live, I am the Lord's. Whether I die, I am the Lord's. Whether I live, therefore, or die, I am the Lord's. You, my friend, are the Lord's. And He has you firm and safe in His hands. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, writefromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen.